Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. Those who are going to Little Worship can be dismissed at this time. And if you're staying in here, I invite you to open your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 21. Of course, it's there in your bulletin as well. All right. Y'all seen that video of the church service? I'm pretty sure it has to be a charismatic church, but um, the, the preacher uh, got hot and, th- and took his jacket off and started, uh, he, he kind of got into his preaching, he started, you know, whirling around his head, and then one of the congregants ran down the, 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 hall, the center aisle and just jumped into the, the baptistry back there. Um, I'm just saying, if... if I'm kind of hot. I don't know how y'all are. If I get hot, I will take my jacket off. I'll try not to whirl it around nor jump into any water, okay? Um, Hey, so misunderstandings happen all the time, like all the time, don't they? Um, This week, I saw a podcast. I sent out to a few people. It's a podcast of Carlos Santana fans. You know, there's a podcast for everything, right? And, And so they sent out this request to people to come on their show and to share their favorite lines of Carlos Santana. Well, the show was, was live, and one of their guests came on and started sharing her favorite things about being a Satan worshiper, the favorite, favorite Satan lines. And the two hosts, I mean, this is live. They're, they're, they start, they're, of course, they're dressed like they've got their, uh, well, they're dressed like they're from Cuba. They have this kind of Carlos Santana-y fashion, and um, they start looking at each other. And one said, um, I think we've had a miscommunication. Uh, I, I'm not sure why you would want to be involved in that. And so the host looked to the co-host and said, where did you put the ad out? And the other host said, well, I put it on Reddit. And he asked, well, what, what subreddit, what category? And the other said, well, Santanist. And, uh, and all of a sudden it clicked, right? The, the host looked at the guest and he said, I'm sorry, are, are you a Carlos Santana fan, like, at all? And she said, no, 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 I'm a Satanist. I'm a Satan fan. And... Uh, <laughs> Again, this was all live. Anyway, turns out, uh, instead of posting the ad on the Santanist page, they posted it on the Satanist page on, on Reddit. And big difference. Uh, it's crazy how just one letter of the alphabet can make that big of a difference, right? And, and get things majorly mixed up. Well, well knowing, okay, knowing that, uh, knowing that we are people who are very, we're prone to misunderstanding, and especially when it comes to the topic of end times, um, this is such a source of well, questions and misunderstanding, that Jesus in his final public teaching sought to tell us what we need to know about living in the last days. Like, what's, what's it going to be like? What do we need to expect? And uh, Jesus was fairly clear, even though there's a lot of debate about some of this, but, um, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. This brings us to God's word. Uh, this is Luke 21, inspired and errant word of God. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, Jesus said, as for these things that you say, the days will come when there will, be no, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, teacher, when will these things be and what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And Jesus said, see that you are not led astray. 
For many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified. For these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then Jesus said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. Verse 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, know that the desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out of the country enter it, for these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles." until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. This is God's word. Uh, let's pray before we walk through it. Father, we ask that you would come and make a, a passage that can be very uh, mysterious, um, scary. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would, through your spirit, make it clear. Uh, and actually, may this be a source of comfort to us this morning. Uh, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come uh, and that you would give us ears uh, to hear. Uh, give us hearts to receive. Uh, Lord, may this be balm to our soul today. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, before we get too far into this, two just quick things on the front end. Uh, first, and as I've just prayed, uh, full disclosure, <laughs> this is one of the most complex passages, uh, the most debated passages in the Bible. And so as we walk through it, one scholar said, uh, it requires humility. Uh, and as we walk through this, even a willingness to admit that we don't have all the answers. Uh, only the Father has all the, all the answers. However, in the meantime, by faith, we can rest in what Jesus does and has told us, okay, what we can know. Then, then second, because we live particularly in the South, and especially if you're new to kind of the Reformed view of, of Scripture and, and end times, there's probably a high chance that everything you've been taught and believe is different than what you're going to hear this morning. Uh, so this passage falls under the category of apocalyptic literature, you know, and we typically think of apocalyptic, apocalypse as something scary or mysterious, but ap apocalypse means to, to reveal, like it literally means to, to pop the lid off of something so that we can see what is inside, so it's to reveal which here means when it seems like everything's falling apart and life as we know it, the world as we know it is over, Jesus is telling us that there are some things that we need to see, some things that we need to be aware of. 
Uh, namely, two things. Uh, first, in this passage, Jesus gives us a reality check. Like, it's, it, this is a, a call back from, like, you know, we, we, the siren call of the world of being numb, but to be a reality check that we live in a fallen world, reality of life in the fallen world. And at the same time, second, Jesus reminds us of the comfort he gives his people in the midst of this fallen world. So first, the reality check of our fallen world. Some of the disciples were talking about how beautiful the temple was. It's so amazing, and, and, and rightfully so. Uh, apparently, it was objectively beautiful. And so the historian Josephus described the temple this way. He said, the exterior of the building wanted nothing that could astound either eye or, or mind. He said it was covered on all sides with massive plates of white gold, so much so that as soon as the sun came up, it was so radiant that it strained people's eyes looking at it. It was just so bright. And he said from a distance, it looked like a shining snow-clad mountain. It was just like white gold. It was huge. Uh, it had stones, like stones in the temple the size of rail cars. And so you, I mean, we can't overstate this, that to a Hebrew, not only was the temple their religion, not only was it their way to God, it, their hope, but it was the center of all of life. And Jesus just said, look, I just want to give you a reality check on this temple situation. Yeah, that's not going to be around much longer. And, and so go there. You know, to, a, to a Hebrew, you know, for the temple, right, the very dwelling place of God to be destroyed meant life as you knew it was over. Like, if the temple wasn't safe, then who's safe? Nobody's safe. For the temple to fall apart meant life itself was falling apart. And so the disciples naturally asked us, we would ask, uh, well, how's it going to happen and what, what should we know? And to this, Jesus said, look, hey, many are going to come and they're going to say, even in my name, and they're going to say, hey, I know how, I know when. He said, don't fall for it. He said, in the last days, see that you are not led astray. It's his first reality check, don't be led astray. You know, to follow Jesus in the last days, it, it means following his way and not every other way. And it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to read that warning without immediately thinking of uh, people like uh, Marshall Applewhite, right? And the, the Hale Bob Comet people, um, or David Koresh, or Jim Jones, all people who claim to have this very special knowledge or anointing, and yet they led many, many people astray. And yet, you know, we, we, before we dive further into the reality check, you know, it's important to remember that how we view, just how we interpret the end times, it, it affects everything, everything that Jesus is saying in this passage. And, and so, I know we, we pulled this out, if y'all remember, four or five years ago, we did this. On your pew somewhere, you should see a few of these little pages. Uh, I just want to pull this out, and this is like a simplified version of different ways we could view this passage. Uh, and before we do that, uh, look, this is a secondary issue. Uh, we are saved. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, period. But depending on which category you fall in, uh, significantly changes how you interpret what Jesus is, is saying here. So uh, this is important because what we believe affects our lives. So um, if you look at this, the first two both are premillennial, meaning they hold that Jesus will, his second coming, he's going to return 
Um, before the millennium or the 1,000 year period of reign that's mentioned in Revelation 20. And so that first one that says post-tribulation, pre-millennial um, holds that Jesus will return after the tribulation or after this period of intense persecution and hardship that God's people will need to endure. Um, that, that, that's what Jesus is warning us about. That Jesus will return right after that for a 1,000-year period of reign right before the, then the final judgment. All right, then the second, number two, it, that view is probably the one we're most familiar with. This is the theology of kind of the left-behind books, and it's also been called dispensational pre-millennial. Uh, and I'll show my cards here. Um, way back in 431 AD, the Council of Ephesus rejected this view as heresy, by the way. They, Augustine said the only way you could believe this is if you were carnal, just not even a believer. And so this view holds that Jesus will rapture his people, um, his church, before the tribulation, right? Um, before the period of hard. All of God's people will say, we're out of here, and then Jesus will come back with the church uh, then to inaugurate this um, 1,000-year reign. And in this particular view, Israel and the church, we talked about this a few weeks ago, Israel and the church are separate entities, and God made specific promises to Israel and specific promises to the church. And now God's still going to make good on those promises to Israel, but right now, in the meantime, he's dealing with the church. Um, and then after the rapture, it'll be Israel's turn to be gathered in. And so in an America in which many conservative Christians tend to hold this view, that explains why we're always watching what's going on in Israel, right? And because to those who hold this view, who controls the land and what war is happening and what earthquakes and, and floods and famines, like, like all that means something. The, all those are, are signs that are pointing us to what's happening in the future. And so that they read this passage and revelation in light of the future saying that Jesus is detailing future events and future wars and famines and desolations that will happen in a a future temple. And if we keep our wits about us, we'll be able to see and judge that if we are, yes, in fact, in the last days. Okay? So then third down the list is post-millennial. I'll be way brief with this. They hold that the millennial period will be this golden age of church growth in which revival happens and many people become believers and things get better and better and better until Jesus comes again. This was super popular uh, during this like the age of exploration and colonialism and you had a few nations thinking that they just were the bee's knees and everything's great. So that was very popular then. And, and then finally, um, Number four, amillennialism. And by the way, though you wouldn't know it today, this was the view of the vast majority of Christianity up until the 1800s. This view, and this is what most people in the Reformed camp hold, um, this view holds that the 1,000 years mentioned in Revelation uh, wasn't intended to be literal but symbolic. And so this view holds that, that we're not waiting on Israel or some war for Jesus to return and initiate a kingdom. No, we believe that when Jesus rose from the grave and ascended to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit, he inaugurated his kingdom. And at that point, the millennial period began. And in this view, that there aren't separate promises to Israel and to the church. No, if, if you believe in Jesus, you are true Israel. Which means there's not one promise in the Old Testament 
That does not also apply to you if you are a believer. As Paul said, God's promises find their yes and amen in, in Jesus, right? And so we're not waiting on a rapture to happen. Um, no, the, the next great redemptive event, re- redemptive event will be Jesus' return and the final judgment. And so we, we would believe that if you are in Christ, then you will inherit the new heavens, the new earth. And so, uh, again, number two, primarily, premillennials generally read the desolation passage that we just read as something that will happen in the future, whereas all millennials see this as something that has already happened, namely what happened in 70 AD in Israel and the destruction, the literal destruction of the temple by the Roman general Titus. And and there's archaeological evidence that shows, just as Jesus said in our passage, that these huge stones from the temple were just like drug out all in the valleys around Jerusalem so that no stone was left on another. And just as Jesus said, there will come a time in which you leave the city, you flee. Um, History tells us that in 70 AD, Jesus' followers, the early church, fled from Jerusalem, as Josephus said, as swimmers deserting a sinking ship. It's getting out of town. And so during this time, Titus killed countless. Some have said even upwards of 100 Jews, 100, I'm sorry, 100 Jews, a million Jews uh, were killed. Total desolation. Uh, Rooftops were filled with, um, well, with starving women with babies in their arms. Uh, The alleys were full with corpses of the elderly who didn't make it. Uh, eyewitnesses noted that the, the streets were just filled with children roaming around with swollen stomachs, swollen stomachs. And they said that Jerusalem didn't even have enough tombs to bury all their dead. And so they got to the point where they were just flinging bodies off the wall. And so Titus, during this time, strolled up into the temple area, up into the Holy of Holies, and he set up an altar to himself, and he desecrated the temple right there. And so we would say that that was the abomination of desolation that Jesus mentions in the Olivet Discourse. And so the point is then, the the reality check that we need is instead of looking for symbols and signs and for the approaching of the last days, Jesus wants you to know, hey, you are in the last days right now. Like, it's now. Which means the tribulation Jesus is describing of being hated and canceled and persecuted and delivered up even by your own families for following his way. This isn't happening in some far distant dystopian future. No, this is like right now. This is happening now. And so just as Jesus' disciples were persecuted and delivered up just because of their hope didn't quite jive with the way the world was, um, the New Testament is just full of reminders Right, not to be alarmed. Like, don't be surprised uh, when trials come, when persecution come, when you feel yourself being oppressed because of Jesus. Don't be surprised. You know, expectations are everything, right? And Jesus says, just as Gary read this morning, Jesus said, "Look, the world hated me, and if you are in me, the world's going to hate you too. Expect that. Expect that." And so, if anything, persecution and rejection is, as uh, Spurgeon said, it's an insignia, right? It's a reminder that you actually are a Jesus follower. But it's not just the hardship from the world, like the oppression that we receive from yeah, the, the world and from Satan. In Matthew's account of this, Jesus also called the hard that we experience 
in this fallen world, he called it birth pains. And he didn't say that we're, we're waiting on the birth pains to come. No, he's like, it's right now. You're, we're all experiencing them right now. Actually, um, listen to this prayer list from uh, another PCA church. Um, and by the way, this very easily could be our prayer list. It's, it's been our prayer list at various times. Um, and, and, but listen to this and tell me that we're not living in a world full of birth pains. And so here's their real prayer list. Please pray for me. I just discovered I have lung cancer and my doctors don't give much hope. Please pray for me. I'm a husband whose wife left me with three small children. Please pray for me. I know... I, Please pray for someone I know who has been sexually abused and no one knows it. Please pray for a husband who has been unfaithful and doesn't love his wife. He says he never loved her. Please pray my baby just died. Please pray for me. I'm trying to deal with a drug addiction alone. Please pray for me. I'm a soldier at war and my wife and children are home without me. Please pray for our family. Please pray my mother is dying. Please pray, I was just diagnosed with MS. Please pray for me, I'm a pastor whose ministry was destroyed by my sin. Please pray for me, I'm a single mom who just lost my job. Please pray for me, I'm estranged from my family. Please pray for me, my son just died in Afghanistan. Please pray for my husband who is dying alone in the hospital and he's not a believer. Please pray, I'm living in such fear that I, I can't sleep. Please pray I'm dealing with a divorce and the disillusionment of my family. Please pray for a homeless child with a, a homeless couple with a small child. Please pray for me. My wife just committed suicide. Westminster, the reality is we live in the heart of persecution. If we're following Jesus, we will be persecuted. And we live in the reality with the very present birth pains from the fallout of our sin and the fallout of our sinful world. And, and it's here, you know, that, that, and, and it's now. And Jesus reminds us to expect that. And so maybe just a good little friendly reminder is maybe as, as Christians we should stop shooting our own wounded, right? And get down in the foxhole and actually carry them towards Jesus. Jesus says, this is, the, this is it. This is where we're living, okay? A world of persecution, a world of birth pains, and it's, it's like not going to be, it's like it's right now. Which then begs the question, what comfort do we have? Well, Jesus gives it. I think I've shared this before. Uh, Donald Barnhouse was this uh, great pastor at uh, 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and he was over in Europe giving some lectures one time and he was asked to preach at a church in Belfast uh, like on the eve, like literally the night before uh, World War II. And so he arrived late because all of Europe was in panic. Rumors of war was everywhere. And the prime minister apparently had given Hitler until the next morning or the next day to respond or they would declare war on Germany. Well, Barnhouse didn't think anybody was going to be at church. Who's going to come to church on a day like this? But when he got there, it was packed. And when he got there, he was greeted by a man at the front door who said, I hope you've got a good sermon, because it may be the last sermon some of these men ever hear. And right before he went up to the pulpit to preach, an elder of the church slipped him a note that said, no reply from Hitler, the prime minister has declared war. And I mean, 
Like, what do you say to people who are facing death? Like, certain, certain hardship. Well, he entered the pulpit and he turned to Matthew's recording of this very passage that Jesus, or this very teaching that Jesus just gave us. And he read Jesus' words. He said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Or as Jesus said in our passage, not afraid, not terrified. See to it that you aren't afraid. Um, and he kept saying, like, don't, don't be afraid, don't be alarmed when your homes are bombed. And don't be alarmed when your children are torn from their, from their mothers. Don't be afraid. You know, and I'll add to that, like, don't, don't be afraid, right, when the, the diagnosis is cancer. And, and don't be afraid when you feel like your world is spinning out of control. Don't, how can you not be afraid when that happens? I mean, you know, you, you see, and this is what Barnhouse said. He said, these words are either the words of a madman. Like, like how can we not be afraid when our world is falling apart? He says they are either the words of a sociopath or they're the words of God. He said, unless Jesus is God, these words are the most horrible that could be spoken to men and women gripped by human suffering. I mean, what a joke. What a cheap cliche. <laughs> men are dying. Children are crying in fear with no loved one in sight. But it's okay. Like, you're going to be okay. It's okay. How can Jesus say such a thing? And then Barnhouse gave us the answer. He said, well, because Jesus is God. He's the sovereign Lord of, of history. And, and if he's that, then fear really can be unnecessary. We, we really don't have to be afraid because he is the God who goes before us. And so you know the disciples, they couldn't fathom, like, how could things possibly be okay when the temple's destroyed? And yet we know that it was the destruction of the temple that led to a whole new era of God's working with his people, that God wasn't confined to one sacred place, but through the Holy Spirit, like, he's now with and in all of his people. If you are in Jesus, we learn that, <laughs> we learn that you are his temple. And that's how Jesus could say these things that, hey, when you're persecuted and you have to give an account, like, I'm with you. Like, when you feel like yeah, it is the worst, like, I'm with you, I'm with you. He's with you in the Spirit, always inside you. And that's why Jesus could say such a thing in verse 17 and 18. He said, it's going to be hard, expect it. It is going to be scary. And you're going to wonder if it's going to be okay. But if you are in me, you will not perish. If you are in me, this is not the end. If you are in me, you will have true life. And of course, he's talking about the beautiful future, right, for which we were created and <laughs> for which we long. And so when things fall apart, um, you know, I've, I have some family members and, and some really close friends um, who really struggle with fear and anxiety and being afraid. But, but here, Jesus wants us to know that when things fall apart, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to fear. Because the gospel says if you are in Christ, then the only thing or one you should truly fear 
is now your good, good father. And, and the God who leads angelic armies and who holds every molecule of the universe together is with you in these last days. And then, when these last days have come to an end, even then it's not over. Then you will be with him. And that's our comfort when things fall apart. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that in Jesus you actually are our good, good Father. Um, Lord, Lord, we ask that um, the words that Jesus so frequently greeted his disciples with, um, do not fear, do not fear, would be uh, true of us, that we would take that and, Lord, make the gospel reality so present uh, so real in our souls that, that we truly could embrace that too, that we don't have to be afraid. Uh, so, Father, but in, in this meantime, uh, we ask that you would implant that in our hearts, in our head. Um, Lord, may, you, may we be a people who live like with the, the very real reality of persecution and hardship in this fallen world and at the same time live uh, in light of the comfort that we have in Jesus. Bury that deep in us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.